The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about smart relationships, and we all are concerned about having smart and loving relationships. And I've been reading this book, which is terrific, by uh, Leslie Beth Wish. And the name of it is Smart Relationships, How Successful Women Can Find True Love. And you know, what's interesting is being an attorney mediator for so many years, I have a lot of friends who are really very, very bright, very accomplished but they don't have really good relationships. Luckily, I have a, a loving relationship and I feel very blessed. But I have so many really wonderful friends who have real they're lonely in, in terms of relationships. They they have all the professionalism and all the success in their career, but they really don't have a, a, a marriage or they don't have the relationship that they want. And so I've been reading this book, and it is wonderful. Lots of great exercises, a lot of great ways to kind of question yourself. And um, and so we're we're gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit about our great author who's coming to us from Florida. Dr. Leslie Beth Wish is the founder of LoveVictory.com. She's a nationally known psychologist and a a licensed clinical social worker. And she's recognized for her research, advice, and books for women and women's issues in love, life, family, and career. And her concerns about these issues led her to research more than 1,200 women over the course of five years for her new research based on self-help books such as Smart Relationships and the companion cartoon book, The Love Adventures of Almost Smart Cookie, which is really funny. Um, she is the National Association of Social Workers, has named her as one of the top 50 social workers in the country. And Dr. Wish also co-founded the Free Family Counseling Network for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. And she's been an expert source for quotes and advice to numerous media vent- venues such as Women's Health, Self Magazine, and CBS Radio. And as I said, you can learn more about her and her books and advice at lovevictory.com. Well, Leslie Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope your listeners get some good tips at the end of this show. Oh, I'm sure they're going to get good tips throughout the whole time. So, Leslie Beth, tell me, um, I found this book to be wonderful. I'm going to have to recommend it to my 
all my friends who uh, are not in relationships and how they can really improve their 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 feelings about relationships and get back into them. So why is it that you wrote this book? Well, thank you for the compliment to begin with. It's very important to me that what I do is helpful to other people. And that's exactly how I got started doing this book. I was so bothered, Mari, by why so many of my clients and colleagues and friends and family, all the women who were so professionally successful and very smart about work but not about love, and I couldn't answer it in a way that I really felt comfortable. So that's what started it. And I did workshops and got national coverage in terms of women coming to my surveys and talks. And so I learned as much as I have to give back to others. Yes. So let's, let's talk about this. Why is there this challenge nowadays that we have so many really accomplished professional women who don't have healthy, loving relationships? And why do you think that is? Well, first of all, it's such a mystery to people when you see an accomplished person in general and you find out that they have so many love problems. And to be really just to keep it down as simply as possible, so many times your intellectual cognitive abilities and skills don't translate into helping your emotionally unresolved issues. It's almost like the two parts of you don't speak to each other. And that puts women especially at such a terrible disadvantage. And that's what I wanted to find out why. And as I said before, some of the things I discovered as the women's number one problems really surprised me and disturbed me greatly. So what are some of the issues that you found that, you know, and I've been reading this in your book, but some of the the major issues for accomplished women and and why they have such... um, really difficult relationships. Is it, is it have to do with the um, men being threatened by this? Because men, you know, historically have been the, the professional in the family and that the woman has been just the supporter? You know, it would be so, so convenient if that were what occurred in my research, and it would be so easy just to say something like that. And it's that kind of thought is so part of our culture now about women, but that's not what my research found. And I really made sure that I structured my questions and my research model so I didn't find what I was looking for. Right. So I would answer um, your question very briefly. Why is this happening? It has to do with the fact that so many women are unable to tolerate the emotional bravery required to really examine yourself psychologically. Hmm. And how about men? Are men any better at that? Um, not necessarily, and in many ways they're not as equipped at internal reflection, but men have a different form of that problem. That would be like a whole other show. <laughs> so, um, no, th- this is somewhat unique to women. Men have problems with self-examination too, but it's not usually what gets in their way the most. For women, it has to do with really getting in touch with your fears of being abandoned, mm-hmm. rejected, which men share that fear so much. You know, one time when I was in my training, my professor said, what are the three things that men fear the most in relationships? Rejection, rejection, rejection. <laughs> right. And what do women fear? Um, not being accepted, um, being abandoned and being told and revealed how many internal flaws they feel they have. 
Mm. Hmm. Well, you know, we're, we're right on the holidays here. And why are the holidays? Let's, let's just kind of talk about family and relationships since you're an expert on that. Why are the holidays in general so difficult for people? Well, it's almost like you feel there's a mismatch between what's going on in your personal life and all the merriment that you see. I mean, you go into a mall and there's tinsel and trees and stockings and people walking around with packages and shiny paper. And if you're in a situation where you're unhappy with your partner or you don't have one at all and you don't know why, then just imagine how awful that mismatch is. And that's just for starters. What if you're going through a divorce or you're widowed or you're ill or your family members are ill or you've lost your job? None of that translates into being happy. And so you're mismatched terribly with the whole tone of the season. Right. Everybody's supposed to be happy and joyful and yeah, with all the, like you said, all the lights and everything like that. And then people feel sad and lonely during that time. Like, why don't I have somebody with me? So what are some of the top circumstances in a person's life that make holidays so difficult for them? Is it, is it mostly just being alone or, or what do you think that is? Well, being alone is in general, not a good place for people to be. And by alone, I mean not having a good support system of friends and family. So automatically that puts you at a disadvantage, not only emotionally, but a lot of research continues to support that not having social connection that's meaningful um, depletes your immune system. It puts Mm -hmm. you at a tremendous disadvantage. So what are the top two forms of being, you know, and not such great spirits at the holidays. One is something that happens outside you that is not your own fault, like getting ill, losing your job, um, family members are sick, or they're going through rough times, or you've lost your job or have been demoted. Those are things that feel that they've happened to you. But what about the things that you feel are happening inside you? And that goes to really getting trapped in that loneliness cycle of feeling so lonely and hurt and disappointed that you don't have anyone. And one of the reasons that women especially get into that bind is after their heart has been so broken, the number one mistake they make is swearing off men. They can't tolerate being hurt again. They don't believe they can recover again from hurt. And so they put themselves sometimes all through the holidays at being alone. And the reason that's so dangerous is that if your loneliness factor gets too high, then you're too vulnerable at choosing the last man standing and just grabbing a okay enough guy. Right, right. Someone who really isn't, you know, that is going to be like a quick fix, who isn't really the right person for you or isn't loving or isn't kind or just isn't there for you, right? Exactly. And that loneliness hurt cycle You know, something usually happens in life to jar you out of that mindset of no more men. And it's usually something that's out of your control. So that makes you feel even more vulnerable and more out of control. So women do one of two things. They either, well, one of three things. A good way to handle it is to use it as a wake-up call. But a not-so-great way to handle it is to either grab the next person who you meet or to fall for the guy who offers you excitement. You know, Mr. Excitement, he's usually 
very handsome, very wealthy, very powerful, or all of the above. But whatever it is, it makes you feel that you've got a ticket out of your life. Right, right. So what are some things, and I know you have all sorts of little checklists here in your book, too, and um, like emotional triggers for falling head over heels with a successful, exciting man. I was just looking at that when you were talking about it. Um, so what are some things that people should do like during the holiday season if they are alone? What are some things that they should do to not, you know, just completely say I'm done with men or I don't want to have a relationship? What are some things that they should do that can maybe help them to feel better about themselves and and the season? Well, the one thing you can start doing is make connections again. Solidify them. Call, write letters to people you haven't been in touch with. One of the um, ideas I got from my workshops was, why don't you reconnect with people you haven't been in connection with for a while? Also, write letters to um, family members who you haven't seen in a while. Or if you're going home for the holidays and you don't want that experience to be like it was last year, lay the positive groundwork. Send emails or write letters I prefer letters to people in your family and say, um, I've got great news, I've been thinking about you, um, how's your family, or anything that's positive to present yourself as a more happy and pulled-together person. That would be very important. The second thing you can do is instead of spending your time looking for Mr. Right or your soulmate or the one why don't you spend time getting to know lots of different kinds of men and don't date them. Hang out with them. Because think about it. Most of your couple time is spent doing just ordinary life. So why not make your date seem like ordinary life? And I'm really serious about this. Run errands together. Go to afternoon events and see how you are together. How is he when you decide to walk over there and he doesn't want to walk there? How are, how are you with his decisions? Make your time together real. Yeah. And during the holidays, sometimes it's just, you know, I mean, unless you're going online dating, which I know a lot of people are doing, I, I never did that. But, you know, I wasn't, I already was in a relationship and I wasn't considering doing that. But, I mean, how about you know, going to things like getting involved in activities where you're in a group so it isn't so kind of, you know, scary, where you meet a bunch of people, whether it's a, a church get-together or maybe something like um, you're in professional groups and you go to the Christmas party that's supposed to be just professional group where it's everybody there and you meet a lot of people. I'm just thinking how scary it is to try and even meet people. At least it is out here in California. I don't know what it's like in Florida, but it's it's kind of scary. It's very scary. And everything you're saying is spot on. You get it. Look, it's not easy to put your heart out there. You know, what, what's that quote that says you've got to love as though you're not afraid of being hurt? I mean, those are great words and great advice, but it, it's not easy. And the truth is, if you're going to fall in love, you're going to have it right through trial and error. That's how you're going to learn. And so that means putting yourself out there. And I love your idea of group dating, going to parties. I strongly recommend that in the book. And you can observe how this person interacts with his friends, and you can observe how they interact with your friends. That's why I like the idea of no-date dates. 
hang out together, do things that you would do that would fill your normal life, including, you know, hanging out with, you know, mutual friends and going to parties. And, you know, I worry about people who like, this is a time of season where there's a lot of uh, bars that have activities. And that's just, it seems to me that that's pretty scary to just go and meet at bars. And, and, you know, instead of going to activities that you really like, like, it seems to me if, if I were single right now, I mean, what I would be doing is going to a lot of different activities of things I really love to do, whether it's skiing or I would join a ski club or something. Nowadays, there's so many meetups on, I, I get, a, you know, thousands of emails for different types of e- meetups of different activities. All you have to do is something like that rather than hanging out at a bar when you're going to meet people who are drinking and who aren't really going to be who they really are, right? Most of the time, I would say that's absolutely true. And sometimes mixers are held at bars. So that's go to true. those, you know, the, you know, you know, meet and greet and bring your business card. But your advice about do things that interest you. So you're never going to not get something out of that experience. But in my workshops, this is what I challenged all the participants. Promise yourself that twice a week you will go to some event in your community. And you will not allow yourself to leave the event until you've introduced yourself to someone who interests you. So how do you do that? Well, you can blame it on this radio show. You can, <laughs> okay? okay? You can say, I heard this advice, and um, I'm going up to you because I'm supposed to introduce myself to someone who interests me. And you look like an interesting person. Now, I'm going to tell you that 100% of guys would love to hear that. Hmm. That sounds good. So that's the first thing. You've got to push yourself out the door. I remember, you know, I, I didn't spend all of my adulthood married. So when I, you know, in my 20s, I would just push myself out the door and go to events and introduce myself. And, you know, what is that expression? You've got to kiss a lot of frogs. Well, I'm not recommending you kiss everyone, <laughs> but let's change it. You've got to meet a lot of frogs before you find someone who, you know, sounds like they would be a, a, a good person to pursue. It's a numbers game. You're not going to get anywhere if you restrict yourself. So get out there, make a personal promise pact. And it's like that the name of the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yes. You know, just do it. Yeah, okay, people are fearful. They are fearful of being rejected or whatever. But if you go out there and you think, I, I don't have to marry this guy, I just have to meet him. <laughs> you know, Mary Beth just wants, I mean, Leslie Beth just wants me to meet him. I don't have to marry him. I just need to meet him. So and get practice in that. Get practice yeah. in doing that. And there, since there are two main things that came out of my research um, about why women get into that swearing off men cycle, one top one is they fear that they can't trust their judgment anymore. Mm. A lot of the women have been blindsided. So what can you do to trust your judgment better? Start reading lots of books about reading people. Mm. That's an Learn to thing. read them. Secondly, while you're on your date or undate date with this person, go take a bathroom break. Go into the bathroom and practice mindful dating things. What am I feeling? Was there something that was said I didn't like? Did I feel that I didn't like this guy? What was he saying or doing? Was his leg shaking? Was his head spinning around the room looking at other women? Was he laughing too much? These are the kinds of things that you can do to get yourself feeling more confident and competent in assessing 
assessing someone better. And then go out another time to test your assumptions to see if you're right. So change the goal of dating from meeting the one to learning how to read men. Yes, and following your gut. You know, it's, I think when you're saying, like, go to the bathroom and kind of ask yourself, how am I feeling? That's getting to the gut and finding, like, how am I really feeling in this in my gut? Is this person something maybe that I would never want to even get in the car and go home to my house with? You know, I mean, people sometimes say, well, I, I'm just going to dismiss that. But um, but I think you're right. Just step back and get conscious and really ask yourself how you're feeling about someone. And there are times I have a friend who kind of went head over heels over some guy just because she was lonely. And I did not like this guy from day one. I met him. I thought he was arrogant. I thought he was obnoxious, you know, and I kept asking her about, and you know, it took her a while for her to see it. And then when she finally did, she said, I just ignored that all. I ignored that all. And so that's something that I think, you know, people have to do like what you said, they cannot ignore things just because they're desperate or they feel like they're desperate. Well, you've made a great case for why it's so good to go on undates where you hang out with your mutual friends. Get feedback. But on the other side of the coin, make sure you're bringing friends who cheer for you and want the best for you. Because sometimes women will say, oh, I don't think he's for you because they really like him. Um. So choose wisely who you're going to hang out with. But I want to go back to what you said about trusting your gut. The other side of that coin is, if you continue to date the same kind of, um, I mean, I shouldn't say it this way, what if you continue to have the same kinds of relationship patterns, then what you're going to find appealing is the same wrong pattern you're going to fall into. So sometimes it's good to go against your gut and get yourself used to dating different kinds of people. So that's why I recommend going out a second and even a third date or an undate where you can test your predictions and your reading of them. Remember, that's going to be the new goal, to see if you're right about this person, to see whether you are surprised by them in a good way or a bad way. So then you build much better sense of judgment. Right, because then you're going to test your assumptions. Yes. Yeah. And and I guess I was talking about gut versus my my head, you know, thinking from your head is like, oh, well, you know, he's wealthy and, you know, he has a good profession and he dresses nicely and all those things. That's not gut. That's that's your head. I'm talking about gut where you feel like, you know, this guy is creepy. (laughs) Yeah, that that for sure. And you want to look for the big the big flashing lights. Yeah. You know, is this guy too charming? Does he invade my space by touching me too much? Does he talk too much about himself? Does he not talk about himself at all? How does he treat the wait staff? Yes. Always be wary of that. Does he snap his fingers? Does he hold the glass up and wave it in the air? Does he say please and thank you? Does he try to order for you to show you, you know, how smart he is? These are the big signs to look for. Yeah, and I love in your book you have a lot of these checklists and things to help people um, to, to say to themselves, gee, you know, I, these are some questions I need to ask. So we're speaking today with our wonderful guest. And uh, she wrote the book, Smart Relationships, How Successful Women Can Find True Love by Leslie Beth Wish. 
And Leslie, you also, you know, since you are such a um, an expert on relationships, let's talk about, let's say you get into a relationship um, and you want to maybe have your family members meet him during the holidays. Are there any tips for that? Oh, yes. You know, it's really scary to bring your new partner home. So here are three quick things you can do. Number one, think to yourself, what is it that I'm afraid that my parents won't like? Because that might be a warning to you that maybe you haven't read this person well. Uh-huh. Secondly, make sure you educate your new partner about certain things not to talk about. Because if, if your partner, you know, has certain feelings politically and, you know, your family goes the other way, you know, what is that old saying? Don't talk about money, <laughs> politics, or, that's right, or illness, you know, stay away from that. Right. But do prepare your partner by telling him some good things and some ways that he can connect with your family. Like if, if you both like fishing or traveling or music or whatever, it doesn't really matter what it is. And the third thing you should do is to prepare your family and say, Mom, Dad, I'm dating this nice person, and he shares your interests in, or he has experiences and things that you like, only present the positive. Right, right. So that it isn't scary for them or for him. That's right, <laughs> exactly. Stay so, positive. Yes. What are some of the top issues that couples fight about during the holidays that we should really be thinking about so that we don't get into these fights. Holidays are so tough, and what often happens is people don't get proactive. They wait to the last minute. So here are the top things that the women in my study argued about. Money, how much to spend, and on whom. So why don't you have that conversation well before the holidays? And sometimes a good way to do it is after the holidays. Make a list of who do you regret having spent so much money on? <laughs> right. who, who did you leave out that you shouldn't have? The second thing that couples fight about is who should get the um, house that you visit and who should get the house that you skip, You know, particularly if your in-laws and parents live in different cities. Whose house do we go to for Thanksgiving? Who do we go to for Christmas? It gets to be a mess. Right. So I say reinvent the holiday. Why don't you divide up these holidays into Thanksgiving dessert, Thanksgiving breakfast, Thanksgiving lunch, Thanksgiving meal, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Christmas afternoon, whatever. Divide it up. And it's okay if you celebrate those holidays on another day. You know, don't make your life miserable and your family feel totally stressed. So those are the top things that families fight about. And the goal when you disagree because this is so important to the conflict resolution advice that you give, get proactive and do it forward. Why waste your time doing, you did this and I did this and you said and I said, don't play history. Work towards a solution. No one is allowed to complain unless you come up with a solution. Right. And so um, any other thoughts for, for Christmas and New Year's in terms of just making it a, a, a wonderful holiday? Yes, don't drink too much. Watch that real carefully. Don't eat too much and recruit the family members to, you know, to help you stay on a diet. Hey, that's your second piece or third piece. Don't you think you ought to stop? And again, express your gratitude for why you want to be with these people. Let people know something nice about them. Go around the table and say, 
here's something that I've wanted to say to you, Aunt So-and-so. That will present you in a better light, particularly if your family has a negative view of you. If you're the you know, so-called lone person in the family that no one can understand, that will set a good tone. And the last tip I would give, if you're alone especially, volunteer your services. It, it goes such a long way to help not only others, but it also helps you feel good about yourself and not so alone. Yes, that I love that um, because if you're feeling alone and then you go and you d- volunteer at a homeless shelter or you volunteer for, at the hospital, this you're not going to feel alone. You're going to feel really great. So thank you so much for joining us and just give your website and it's time to go. Thank you. I could have talked so much more. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I hope your listeners um, go to my website, lovevictory.com. You can read my blog, and you can see a picture of the book cover and click on it and learn an awful lot. It's a It's a wonderful book, Smart Relationships, How Successful Women Can Find True Love. So thank you so much, and happy holidays to you. And the same to you and to your listeners. Okay, bye-bye, Leslie Beth. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.